It's October 30th, 2023. Time for episode 239 of the Sports Wagon Podcast. It's your man, Uncle Dub. Hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's Uncle Dub, I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. The Monday edition, Halloween Eve. Hope you or have something planned if you got kids or if you're an adult who is a spooky person at heart. Hope you got some fun plan for tomorrow. Let's get to the show. NFL, your week eight Sunday winners, the Eagles 38-31 over Washington. And I was actually in a position to actually, the game was on. I was kind of casually observing. And yeah, Washington came out with their hair on fire and they looked better than they did in the initial matchup, but the whole time I'm watching this, I'm thinking to myself, Washington has got to keep up the pressure or the Eagles are going to make this interesting. And what did the Eagles do? The Eagles came back. I believe they scored, outscored them. I wanted to say it was, I know it was 7-0 in the third quarter, and I think it was 21-14 in the second, uh, fourth quarter to win this game 38-31. So Washington's got a lot of questions to answer. And again, it goes to what's going on with this coaching staff. So it's Probably not totally clear, but I kind of got a bad feeling that when this thing's over, uh, house is going to get is going to get uh, house is going to get cleaned here. So um, it's it's an ongoing saga, but you know I still say that you know uh, as much as fans want to win, as much as fans do not like on field issues, I think I would rather have on field issues or be concerned about how the team's performing on the field. Then to wonder what way is my owner going to embarrass me tomorrow. So um, it's again, it's going to be an uphill climb. But again, uh, I think this franchise, they've got some work to do. I mean, they're not really in the down in the dumps completely, but I think that they are in a position to really turn the corner. But some things are going to happen on the free agency side. We we, we all see it coming. Um, But, um, you know, hopefully those things will be for the better. The Dolphins 31-17 over New England. So here's a game. I saw the score and I go, you got to be kidding me, right? New England's leading the Dolphins right now. And I said, there's just no possible freaking way Miami's going to lose to New England. And they came back and won that game. Jets, Jaguars, Titans, Will Levis, four touchdowns. He is the seventh rookie quarterback to start the season. This is the most since the NFL merger. He is the third rookie quarterback to throw four touchdowns in his debut. The other two, Fran Tarkington and Marcus Mariota, three of those touchdowns were to DeAndre Hopkins. Um, Further winners, the Panthers, the Cowboys, they whooped the Rams. That game was like 26 to nine at the half, 43-20, I'm sorry, 33 to nine at the half, uh, 43-20 overall. Vikings won. Kirk Cousins has a torn Achilles tendon. Saints, Seahawks. Ravens, Broncos, Broncos over the Chiefs 24 to 9. And well, you know what they say. When you live swift, you die swift. So <laughs> the, the Broncos trolled them really bad <laughs> by playing a Taylor Swift song. So hey, how's it feel, guys? Because guess what? I'm like most fans, I am sick of hearing you. <laughs> the NFL and all these announcers go nuts over this woman every time something happens in Kansas City. So can we please refocus? back on the game and refocus back on whatever the NFL is trying to distract us from. Bengals 31-17 over the 49ers. Now that one, I think a lot of people were calling that win for the Bengals. And finally, the Chargers. Monday Night Football Raiders at Lions, A15, ABC, ESPN, and the Manning Brothers, Manning cast on the other ESPN channels. Major League Baseball, World Series is tied one game apiece. Game one, Texas wins six games, six to five on the Nadalas Garcia walk-off in the 11th. And game two, 
Uh, Merrill Kelly throws three hits over seven innings to get Arizona a 9-1 win. Game three tonight, 8-0-3 first pitch on Fox. Max Scherzer goes against Brandon Fott. NASCAR, Ryan Blaney wins the Xfinity 500 at Martinsville. So Blaney passed Eric Amarola on lap 478 and held the lead to advance to the championship four. So Amarola second, Hamlin third, Denny Hamlin. Uh, fourth, Chase Briscoe. Fifth, Joy Logano. And 13th is William Byron. That's significant because William Byron on points advances to the championship four. So your four racers who will vie for the NASCAR title next Sunday, Ryan Blaney, Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson, and William Byron. So of those four, I believe Car- uh, Larson's the only former champion. The other three are vying for the first title. The championship race will be at Phoenix, 312 laps. The green flag drops 3 p.m. on NBC. Let's move over to college football. So this has been a quick transition to college football. But again, like I said, not a whole lot to speak of. We'll get to more action as the week goes on. Your week 10 AP top 10. Number one, Georgia, 48 first place votes. Number two, Michigan, nine first place votes. Number three, Ohio State with three first place votes. Number four, Florida State with three first place votes. And number five, Washington. So the top five all hold position and everyone in the top five is eight and no. Six through 10, Oregon up two spots to six. Texas holds at seven. Alabama holds at eight. Penn State up a spot to nine. And Oklahoma down four spots to 10. Your movers this week up three spots. Louisville to 15. UCLA to number 20. Down five spots. Utah to 18. And Oregon State down to 16. Out of the poll this week, UNC and Duke. Into the poll this week, Kansas and Kansas State. I find it weird that rivals enter and leave simultaneously in the poll this week. It's a little strange. When I saw that, I'm going, huh, interesting. Number 26, your top vote getter this week is Oklahoma State. So the big thing with college football this week, the first CFP rankings will be released tomorrow night. So we all know that usually these rankings reflect the top four to five teams. So they're going to do the whole, so, you know, ESPN, all their talking heads are going to be sitting in the studio in Bristol. They're going to go through the whole top 25 and it's going to be a big reveal and blah, blah, blah. Who cares? OK, I'm interested in who's going to be the top four. So let's look at this. So right now we just talked about the top the top five teams in the nation. So it should hold serve that Georgia one, Michigan two, Ohio State three. Now, when you get to four position, this is kind of where you could potentially make an argument either way. So Florida State is currently sitting at fourth in the poll that should potentially push them to number four in the CFP. However, Washington is five right outside this thing. And you could make arguments for both teams. Now, right now, I don't know if I'm going to make this grand argument. I think right now, I think it will be those top four teams. Washington definitely close on Florida State's heels. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if amongst the committee members, four and five are flip-flopped or amongst the talking heads, four or five are flip-flopped. Again, you can make an argument either way. Like Washington, for example, I think they're the best team to pack 12. And also if you think about this from a conference standpoint, so here's kind of why conference realignment is a big deal. You think about um, these conferences. Okay. You've got typically SEC, Big 10, Pac-12 and Big 12 are usually the teams that make up the, in some way or shape or form, that make up the the top four that go to the CFP. The ACC is usually sitting outside this thing. This year, we've sort of uh, flip-flopped the chairs a little bit here. So, 
Right now, it's SEC, Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12. The Big 12 is outside of this thing. So if you think about it from a conference strength standpoint, look at the two at four at five. Florida State's at four, Washington's at five. If you think about how the conferences are behaving, again, the reason why realignment is happening is what? You want to increase the strength of your conference. So for many, many years, the ACC has been riding what? Clemson for the most part. And the rest of the conference has kind of either sort of just been there, but no one's really been on Clemson's heels. This year, it's the opposite. So you got Florida State. Clemson is not even out of this thing. I think Clemson is like has a losing record in conference. Um, I think they will probably be bowl eligible. I think they've won enough games to where they have the opportunity to be bowl eligible. But you think about here's an ACC that's still not that great. Washington, on the other hand, you've got a very strong Pac-12. Again, the last year of the conference, and what do they do? They want to freaking show everyone how good they are. And and, and we'll talk more about the Pac-12 in a moment, but the Pac-12 is really good this year for the most part. You know, you can kind of see a clear delineation between the really good teams and the, eh, the meh teams, okay? So you can make the argument that Washington, from a common strength standpoint, is better. You could make that argument. Now, for me, if these two teams play head-to-head, that would be a hell of a game. I probably would give the edge to Florida State, honestly. Um, uh, you know, Jordan Travis is uh, more likely going to be a Heisman. He's definitely in the Heisman conversation. Michael Penix Jr. is in the Heisman conversation. So you got two quarterbacks in the Heisman conversation. Um yeah, I think you can make some, you know, strength of schedule, uh, strength of schedule um, arguments. You can make a lot of arguments, but I think right now, I think to kind of set the table and then let it kind of happen organically, I think the top four, at least in my estimation, because as I'm thinking about this, I was like, yeah, you know, four and five could flip flop, and we know that four and five could flip flop. Um, four and five could potentially flip flop. Uh, depending on what happens as the season goes forward. All right, so let's get to last week's game. So last week I picked 13 games and I called it. I went seven and six, or maybe I said I was going to go six and seven. Regardless, wasn't a great week. Um, <laughs> I, I tell you, um, let's see. Going back, looking at this, there's only a couple games I feel bad about. I mean, let's see. Um, Utah, Oregon, you know, uh, Louisville, she's Louisville, Duke. Let me let me go through my list here. So Kansas over Oklahoma. So, again, that was probably the shocker of the week. Um, big, big 12 game. Uh, Kansas, you know, did what they need to do. Um, I sort of had a feeling in my gut Kansas had a chance because Kansas has really raised their level over the last few seasons. And I was like, I don't know, Oklahoma, they're. They're better. They won. They they won the um. They, they won the big game with Texas, the River Shootout, and I'm thinking, well, maybe Oklahoma's back, and you know, maybe they're back. But Kansas just got them on the right day. Um, NC State over Clemson. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> that one again. NC State. I may have said this before. They're they're very up and down. I like. I can't get a bead on them. Like at the beginning of the season, I felt like offensively they were okay. Defensively, they were better. I believe what Brennan Armstrong got benched. Um, feel like their backup is doing better. Um, I think they were at a college game that was in Salt Lake City, and the pick, Steve Smith, came to pick. And he basically said, NC State's a basketball school. He took Clemson. And of course, at the end of the game, when they interviewed Dave Doran, Dave Doran basically, 
you know, had some had some choice words for Steve Smith, and I'm going, uh, bro, uh, <laughs> Steve Smith might be on your doorstep. You might want to pump your brakes on that one. But again, you know, I figured Dave Doran, he's a football coach, he can handle his own. But Steve Smith ain't no joke. Shout out to Steve Smith, man. Hey, <laughs> you got no qualms with me, sir, and I have no qualms with you. But hey, if you hear this come to the show, we'd love to talk to you about football, about you know your career, all that good stuff. But yeah, he <laughs> that was. Some wild stuff to happen there. Um, oh, God. And then Arizona State. I'm sorry. Arizona beat Oregon State. And, oh, boy. Um, I had a, I, another game I had a feeling about. Or Arizona, they're turning the corner. They're doing what they need to do. Now the question is, is, is Arizona at the point to where they're going to kind of raise the level a little bit? So here's a team that I don't know what their record is right now, but let's say they end up going, let's say seven and five or eight and four, whatever the record is. Um, can they make it better next year? I mean, you obviously want you hire a new coach. He turns around the program. He changes the culture. You get you know some wins. I guess I'm assuming Arizona. I haven't I'm not looking at the standings right now. I'm assuming Arizona is going to be bowl eligible. So now, as they go into bowl season and do what they need to do, then the question is, do they have enough moving forward to raise the level and be a better team? Because Arizona's been in the conversation. They have been a Pac-12, uh, been in the Pac-12 conversation, and, and I'm pretty sure they won the Pac-12 at some point a while ago. But that's kind of what it's all about. But now, what's it, what, next year, they're going to what the Big 12. So they want to position themselves to be a force in the big 12 moving forward um louisville well louisville is real um (laughs) i don't think i really didn't think they were real but i guess i didn't know how real they were so they kind of remind me of lamar jackson louisville that's what they remind me of i think their quarterback has this kind of similar skill set um and then will duke i think riley leonard's not 100 percent, and i think that was the key for them that if he wasn't 100 percent, as riley leonard goes duke goes and that's kind of what we got with that so i think louisville has uh i think they've got a big test i think they've got a big test this coming weekend i think but we'll go through the slate on friday um lastly we end with colorado Oof. Colorado. Colorado is currently four and four and one and four in the conference. So if you remember, again, I remind you, I said this is going to be a five win team. Now, this is probably going to be the last. Let's say they win five games. They don't get bold eligible. This, I promise you, will be the last time they win five games. If you remember, Coach Prime, you know, his first year at Jackson State wasn't great. What happens? Trajectory went up. And that's what we're going to see here because essentially he said it in a number of press conferences in a number of ways that, you know, hey, you know, if you're going to catch us, this is the time to catch us. And he's right. But what I would expect to see is a mass exodus of players. I I mean, you know, he's he is clever in the way that he kind of says things. But yet it's, you know, if you're paying attention, you get it. But, you know, he's kind of saying, well, you know, things are going to things are going to change. And that's kind of his way of saying, you know, Some guys are going to be out of here, whether they are out of here on their own or whether they kind of get nudged toward the door, which happened when he took the job. And then who's going to come in there? Because, again, uh, Shadour took a beating in that game. And now it's a question of, you know, again, putting offensive line in front of him 
that can give him the time to do the things that he does. Because again, if you haven't figured it out, he's always been a dynamic player. It's just now he's on a bigger stage and he needs that time. Although again, he's got that great skill set. He can, he can fling the football. He can take off when he needs to. He just needs the protection around him to try to, you know, keep him upright. I mean, that's the thing, you know, you have a good quarterback like that. You want to keep him on his feet. So, Here's the thing. Colorado needs to win two more games to go to a bowl. Here's what's in front of them. Saturday, at home, they got Oregon State coming in. They are 13-point underdogs against Oregon State. Now, again, Oregon State's kind of up and down right now. There's a game that could go either way. They finished the season with Utah. Okay, so they got bookend games that look ominous. In the middle, you've got Arizona, which, again, a team on the rise, a team that may be starting to play their best football now. Because, again, early in the season, it's like they're okay, but now it feels like they're starting to really get into the rhythm and play football, and they're really on a tear right now. And then there's Washington State, another team that, again, as the season started, I was very high on Washington State. They've kind of just kind of, I wouldn't say bottomed out, but they're kind of on the, on the bad end of this. I think... If they're going to win two games, I think it's going to be Arizona and Washington State. They need to win those two games. I I don't – I would be surprised if they went on a four-game tear here. So they go four-game tear, go eight and four. I would be shocked if they ran through because this really isn't exactly his murderer's row here. I mean, Oregon State's going to provide them with some problems. The offensive line's going to give DJ Uyunglele some push. He'll have time to throw the football. So they've got to pressure him. They've got to really get after that offensive line. Defense, Oregon State, well, they know the secret, like everyone else does. They got to get after Shadour, and they know that offensive line can't, st- can't withstand it. So if they pressure him and they can keep DJ protected and give him time to throw his passes, Oregon State has a chance. Arizona, again, I think it's 50-50. Washington State, 50-50. I mean, but they got but Washington State, they got to deal with a Cam Ward, who, again, Guy can throw the football, run the football. So, again, somebody that they got to keep between the tackles and make him throw upfield. And in Utah, no Cam Rising. He's done for the season. But, again, I've said it, a very underrated defense, an offense that is actually still churning fairly well, although Oregon really shut them down uh, on Saturday. But, I mean, four in a row would be a tough sled for this Colorado team, considering the way the season started and how it's going. Um, but let's kind of do some what if here. What if Prime, Coach Prime in Colorado wins four games, go eight and four? So you remember this team was probably the worst team in America last year. They won one game. So do you think that Coach Prime would be a candidate for National Coach of the Year? I think he should be. Now, whether he is, I think, is going to be. Is going to be debated. I think there are people who probably would not want him to be national coach of the year for a myriad of reasons. But I think and then, of course, they would also throw in the whole well, he he essentially didn't walk in and take what he had and built into this great power. He basically forced out half the team, brought the guys in he wanted or the guys who wanted to do what he wanted to do, who are malleable, if you will, to the coaching and to the culture and he created a winner. And to that, I say, does it matter? I mean, are Colorado fans 
mad about the simple fact that that's what he did. I mean, that's why Rick George, the AD, hired him. And I don't think it was any secret that was what was going to happen. And look at the results. So, I mean, right now, doesn't look great. They're 500, but it could be worse. They could be, you know, they could be, what, two and six. But at the same time, too, you know, if they ran through the next four games, I mean, he should, I think Coach Prime should at least be considered for National Coach of the Year, I think. Uh, regardless of how he did it, um, you look at this program and its history, what it's been through, what they accomplished last year, which is very little to nothing. And now to potentially right now, four and four have the potential to win eight games, probably at the most, maybe six, maybe five. Um, even if they get to, let's see, so it'd be two. I'm trying to do the quick math here. Even if they go, they win two, lose two, six and six. Gives them 500. Now, again, no one's going to really be happy about six and six, but I think compared to one and one and 11, I think six and six, will, they'll take it all day, every day. That still makes them bowl eligible. So a chance to be seven and six. Um, now, if they go six and six, maybe not. But if they win the next four, uh, I think he should at least be in the conversation. Will he win it? Probably not. Because, again, I think there is to to kind of some things that he's talked about, there's definitely a bias against him. And, you know, because of, you know, how he presents himself, how he comes across his style, his swagger, you know, it's just, he, he basically said in so many words, you know, my confidence makes other people uncomfortable and, and, and and I don't care. And he's right. It should, you know, he shouldn't care because this is who he is. And at the end of the day, you know, he's being true to himself and he's, you know, doing what he loves to do and he's coaching a football team and he's getting results. And then after the season's over, it's going to be, you know, I think they're still going to be in the conversation uh, for a while because he's gotten some recruits who've come through and have committed. But I think the transfer portal is potentially because, again, Colorado kind of has this weird thing about. I think they're still in the quarter system, so I think they've got this weird thing they got to fix with getting players in. But if that all kind of translates well, then I think they could potentially strike it really big in the transfer portal and off they go. So as we said, this is probably me the last time we're going to see them lose more than four to five games. They're going to probably be winning nine, ten games a year for the foreseeable future. Um. So the Pac-12 standings, real quick, Washington's at 5-0, USC's 5-1, Oregon's at 4-1. So right now, the way this is setting up, so Washington and USC play on Saturday. So Washington goes to Los Angeles to play USC. Um, Oregon goes to Cal. So here's the thing, and we say it, but, you know, this past weekend was that weekend where all the crazy losses happened. But I feel like there's a good chance Cal could, I'm sorry, there's a good chance that Oregon's going to beat Cal. Now, remember, Cal gave USC the business, and USC just rolled out of there with a win. So USC has got to really work hard to kind of push that one off and really focus on Washington because that's going to be the game of the day. And um, right now, the way it's looking, if let's say Washington beats USC, Right now, the way this is looking, and I think Oregon, USC, so the way this is looking, this is probably going to be a Washington-Oregon rematch in the Pac-12 championship. And then again, we know Washington beat Oregon, so this is probably 
what they're trying to set them what they're trying to set themselves up for to get into that situation. But it looks like Washington, Oregon are the teams to beat currently uh, in the in the Pac-12. Uh, before we get out of here, some news. So kind of an update on the Michigan uh, situation. So Michigan. So the story goes is this. So the gentleman's name is uh, Connor Stallion. So Connor Stallions is what they called in the article a low level Michigan staff member. So here the here's the allegation. The allegation is he bought tickets to Big Ten opponent and CFP opponent games. So we're talking about 16 schools and about 35 games. And this also included two trips to the SEC title game in 21 and 22. And he developed, I'm sorry, he led rather, he led an elaborate system of scouting and sign stealing. So currently, Stallions has been suspended with pay pending the outcome of the investigation. Jim Harbaugh has denied directing has denied directing any staff member to conduct off-campus scouting and denied having any knowledge of sign stealing. So how did this come to light? So an external investigative firm notified the NCAA with sign stealing evidence obtained from computer drives accessed by Michigan coaches. So already it sounds bad. Um, Harbaugh, there's no direct evidence to him. So essentially wherever this happened, this is happening somewhere in the the way this looks now. This is happening somewhere in the um, organizational structure of the coaches. So somebody's in on this. But we don't know who. That's how it looks. I'm not saying this is what's happening. It's how it looks. So right now, the Big Ten could issue disciplinary rulings before the NCAA. And it's kind of uh, kind of knowledge amongst many Big Ten coaches. Many Big Ten coaches have suspected Michigan was stealing signs. So this looks bad on a lot of levels. And again, just another thing that Michigan has to deal with. So again, um, Harbaugh did not answer investigative questions regarding the covid violations so now he has to worry about this and of course he said he didn't know anything so again there's going to be an investigation how long is going to take probably forever because um as we talked about the ncaa has talked about trying to speed up investigations uh with the new president and how things have been reorganized but at the same time too it's going to be a while for we even get um probably a notice of violation. So notice of violations will be the first thing. The investigations, I think on average, investigations are taking anywhere from 10 to 12 months. So it could be sometime next year before we know the extent of this and who's going to take the fall, who's going to fall on sword for this. But uh, kind of going back to what I said, you know, a couple weeks ago, a week or two ago that, you know, with all the way this is looking, you know, Michigan's riding high. I mean, they're second in the nation. They're looking at another trip to CFP. And this probably should not affect that. But I don't be surprised if Harbaugh rolls out of here. I mean, a lot of people are thinking it. A lot of fan folks in the fan base don't want it to happen. But I mean, it, it doesn't look good. I mean, now, again, hopefully he's not he's not in on it i mean again he said he's not in on it hopefully the evidence doesn't you know currently the evidence doesn't point in this direction hopefully the evidence will not point in this direction but with all this plus the covid violations it just start it's just snowballing for michigan and it's just it's just bad man so uh we'll kind of keep an eye on this and update uh how that's gonna go moving forward um let's see for week 10 
So as always, I have a slew of games I want to look at. Um, by Friday, I will have the number narrowed down. So it's 24 games. Ha ha ha. Good luck. If I call 24 games, um, you guys have every right to yell at me because that's going to be absolute insanity. I will call this game Thursday night from the ACC, 730 ESPN. The Wake Forest Demon Deacons drive 90 minutes on I-85 east, east towards Durham to take on the Blue Devils. Duke are 12 and a half point favorites. I'll take Duke at home Thursday night over Wake Forest. And Wake Forest, man, they've been reeling. I mean, that slow mesh ain't really getting it like it used to. You, we all know Sam Hartman rolled out with the Notre Dame. I mean, you know, he he wanted to get into a pro-style offense to help him for the NFL draft. But I think Duke has enough to tank to take down Wake Forest. All right, so with that, I leave you, ladies and gentlemen, so quick. 30-minute overview of the weekend in sports, so we'll kind of get back to it probably on Friday. We'll recap MLB, the World Series, where we stand. We'll talk a little bit of Thursday Night Football. We'll preview what's going to happen in NASCAR in Phoenix, and we'll get to all the college football picks and update anything in the college football world. I appreciate you listening, so make sure you continue to like, subscribe, share the show. Please give me a five-star rating if you can. Um, also email the show if you have any comments, questions, or concerns and hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. It's uncle dub I T S U N C L E underscore D U B. And until I'll talk to you on Friday, make sure that you continue to mask up, protect yourself. Um, oh, and I've got a Wednesday conversation coming. So be on the lookout for that on Wednesday. So as I said, make sure you continue to protect yourself, uh, mask up COVID vaccine, flu vaccine, and also remember to drink your water and mind the business I pay you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Sports Wagon Podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and tell a friend about the show. You can also send me a voicemail or send me a message on Twitter or Instagram at It's Uncle Dub. That's I-T-S-U-N-C-L-E underscore D-U-B. Also, please consider supporting the podcast at buymeacoffee.com backslash sportswagonpod. I really appreciate your support. Thank you.